Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Got your happy price, Priceline. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com.
The Cowboys game coming close to an end here. The Egg Bowl a few minutes from kickoff. If you're curious when we're recording this, it's Thanksgiving Day. Feels good. Feels right. I've got a bet in on, on Ole Miss today, minus nine and a half. Uh, you, you feel good, Chris? A little Thanksgiving? Happy Thanksgiving to you. You too, bud. We're we're grinding out here. You know, my head's, <laughs> I was telling you before, we're, my head's in a blender right now trying to figure out Saturday, uh, Friday's slate and figure out where I'm playing and getting my lineups put together for that. But I got a lineup for the Egg Bowl in too, so... I got, you know, my buddy Judkins is in the captain spot. You'll enjoy this one. So my, uh, I got my in-laws here visiting today and uh, they were talking, my wife and, and my brother-in-law, brother-in-law goes to Ole Miss. My wife looks at him, they were talking about Ole Miss and she was like, you know, Judkins is good. And I just turned around and just stared at her and I was like, where did you hear that? When did you hear me say that? When, when did, when did you pick that up? And she was like, I know Judkins. And so I was like, okay, well, sure, sure. That's a so, proud moment right there. Yeah, the, the running joker in the house is just we've been looking at each other all day going, Judkins is good. So welcome in to Sharpen the Point. It's Thanksgiving. Thanks for being with us. Thank you for giving us this great season, and uh, we appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun doing this, and, and obviously we're going to keep going in through championship weekend and beyond toward playoff weeks as well. I'm Brian Pellerin. He's Chris Tindall. It is uh, rivalry week. I'm not even going to put a number on it. It's rivalry week, last week of the regular season. Uh, appreciate you. Tuning in, as always, for the new listeners, it's the College Football Games and DFX, DFS Picks Podcast, article on Tomahawk Nation with some of the extra info. Of course, you get more of it here from the two of us rambling on a Thanksgiving night. And of course, if you're betting, remember to do so responsibly. Follow our picks at your own risk. We always go back first. Chris, DFS last week, go. It went good. I. It's I another it profitable good. week. It was another profitable week, you know? The problem is, is we, we just haven't hit that monster yet. Uh, we, we wrote up steel. Steel did nothing. We stated the concerns. So that's why we wanted to split exposure with Harden. Harden ended up doing, doing damage. Shipley was, we were right on with that being better than Mafa. JMU made a little comeback at the end to put up some big numbers, specifically Surratt. And, uh, and, uh, and we had the, I think we got an octopus. The eight pointer. We got yeah, the, the six points for the and touchdown the... and the two point conversion out of yes. out of uh, Surratt at the end. So that was nice. And man, man, Jack and Smith connected for a touchdown, just not the way we traditionally would see it, where Man Jack <laughs> threw it to Smith instead of the other way around, which it had been every week. So the big scores being elusive, but I keep racking up tickets to the uh, to the championship week to game big game. So. I'm I'm really focused on getting as many of those as I can right now. Yeah, nothing to complain about last week. You mentioned the UCLA spot being obviously a, a smash against USC. Um, it was, just the role was, not for Steel. But yeah, outside of that, I thought you were great. Um, I thought a lot of your picks were very good, so we'll take it. The uh, My side was not, three and seven. I went with heavy on the upsets, figuring we were due for upsets. And for some reason, they just... Won't come. Uh, overall, 59 and 68 is my record on the season. That's back to back three and seven records that have taken me from one under to now nine under. Quick recap of how we got there Louisville, I had Miami plus one and a half hosting Louisville last weekend. Miami twice at the goal line comes up short. Uh, pretty surprised at how well Miami moved the ball in that one. I thought maybe it would stay lower scoring, but uh, Miami was able to keep up in a shootout. They've gone full on with Mark Fletcher. He's taken over the backfield and he's playing some real good ball and he'll be a great play tomorrow against uh, Boston College. Yeah, I uh that was drunk. Um 
you already kind of mentioned this one, but App State plus eight and a half was a pick I gave out. I'm sorry on that one, but it did kind of feel like JMU was due for one there, right? We we made some comebacks there. I mean, it was it was getting wild at the end with a fourth and eighteen conversion. So once we got the overtime, I think all my neighbors knew exactly what had happened in that game because there was a lot of yelling and screaming in the backyard. Few things feel better than plus eight and a half in a game that goes to overtime because you know you can't lose unless they're like running it back in like the second half of the second overtime. Like other than that, you're like you're perfect. We're good. It's over. Yeah. Uh I had Utah plus one and a half at Arizona on the basis of feels like we get one of those weird how did how did uh, Utah win this Kyle Whittingham type games and uh, it was anything but. I should just keep riding with my boys. Like I, I've been back in Arizona since the start of the season. And they continue to look good. And I'm excited to see them play against Arizona State, and especially in a bowl game, because all those young guys, they're going to be playing. It feels like the injuries finally stacking up for Utah, or, or stacking up all season for Utah is now finally like, okay, well, you can't go through the whole season playing guys, uh, you know, backups, reserves, extra people, and then by the end of the year, expect them to still be playing at the level they kind of started the year with. Yeah, they're they're in deep trouble, and we might have some more news on that later. It looks like Barnes might not play this week, the starting quarterback, and the backup Nate Johnson, who started earlier in the season, is uh, might have left the team. So we could be in problem land this week. Yeah, that's certainly something to watch. The next one is one I still now after the game trying to figure out what I did because last week I came on this podcast and I said I don't know why Tennessee is ranked, and then I still picked them plus ten and a half. So I don't know what exactly. As I said it, I was like, well, why are you picking them? Uh, didn't have a good reason other than they were at home, and I figured they'd jump out to an early lead, and then Georgia would kind of run a come like storm past them. And that's kind of what happened, but then Georgia like kept storming past them. I just felt like an idiot. I was like, I, I said they weren't good, and then I still picked them. Yeah, you backed Joe Milton, man. Well, I, I told you. I was like, it feels like it's just like Tennessee first play, big touchdown. It's like 7 nothing through the middle of the second quarter, and then like from there it's like, off goes uh, Georgia, and I'm, I can see them like winning 24 to 17, or I don't know. And then I was like, nope, that was stupid. They won like 48 to that. Uh, here's another one I didn't really understand. I had North Carolina plus seven and a half at Clemson, and I was like, what was I doing? I don't know what I was doing. I guess Drake May getting within seven. Uh, even Clemson was just too much. That, that North Carolina has nothing on the offensive or defensive line. It made sense. I mean, that was still, if you gave me North Carolina plus seven and a half against Clemson today, I'd still take North Carolina. Uh, I said last week I liked Arizona State plus 23 and a half against Oregon uh, because I figured how bad would they want to beat their former offensive coordinator in Kenny Dillingham. The answer is they don't like Kenny Dillingham. Dan Lanning doesn't <laughs> like anybody. I mean, he wants to kill everyone. Kill everybody. Uh, so, yeah, they, they won by a lot um, and did the same, put up big numbers for Bo Nix's Heisman campaign. That's the last time I'm going to put those words together for the rest of this podcast. Uh I had Kansas plus eight and a half against Kansas State. Kansas wins with the third or, or covers that spread with a third string quarterback. They do lose. Uh, somebody got to go hire Lance Leopold, right? I would think so at this point. He's been consistently good at Kansas for the past couple of years, and they are outperforming their skill level. That's for sure. And they're doing it with second string, third string quarterbacks like seemingly every week. I'm just like, okay, so. Somebody going to go hire this guy, right? It just feels like someone's going to have to th- throw the money at him. I'm just hoping it's not Texas A&M. It very well could be. That, that makes a lot of not. sense. Well, I, did you see, uh, in a quick aside, a Texas A&M uh, message board? Some guy posted and said it's official. Ryan Day is on the board. He's coming in. 
I can't see that. <laughs> There's just I, no way. I said, boy, do I just love college football coaching cycle on the on the on the message boards. It's just too much fun. I mean, I guess uh, maybe if he loses to Michigan this week. Uh, yeah, I guess so. I mean, he might not have another right? choice. Yeah, he might not have another choice for a job. Yeah, I had Oregon State minus two and a half at home against Washington. They did keep it close, but, you know, if you're minus two and a half, you got to win. So that, of course, didn't happen. Uh, Washington just keeps keeping them close and then not quite close enough. Or, or they not close enough to well. lose. I was impressed with Oregon State, for sure. Uh, Oregon State played very well, and they, they're they a good team. They're just not a great team. Sometimes good teams can surprise. We'll see. I had Florida plus 12 and a half at Missouri. Uh, they lose Graham Mertz in this game. Probably still should have won this game outright. Uh, they're playing better ball. I, I, we'll, we'll talk more about how they look this week, but they they were playing well with Mertz and them all in there. Oh, for sure. And that's where it's extremely interesting now with no Mertz this week. I mean, does anybody run better than Florida State? <laughs> run the ball better no i mean like just from a luck standpoint oh. like who who's running better as far as they don't ever play the starting quarterback for any team they play against i i mean look this is a conversation i had on that podcast before I, we can get to florida state in a second but y- yeah I, we gotta get there we'll get there they're on the list for the game coming up so we'll get there in a second texas minus seven and a half at iowa state i had iowa state on an upset here um it sure felt like Texas was available to be upset, but uh, Iowa State is just not good enough to do it. Was that the game that you said they they don't lose big, they lose close games? I don't think I said that. Did I say that? Uh, you had a game that you picked solely because they didn't lose by a lot, and I said that was Old Dominion. That's the whole thesis behind Old Dominion, and it worked out horribly. And I feel like it was Iowa State. That's it could have been that one. Like. Yeah, they lost. They, they're like all their losses were by like three points or something. And yeah. Was, no, it was a. It was a Pac-12 game, I think. Oh, maybe I think it, it was. was. It might have been Utah. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, I can't remember, but, but yes, yeah. I, I mean, so look. Texas makes a lot of sense. You know, Rocco Beck's been playing good. They just don't have enough run game. We knew they were going to have no run game. It was going to have to rely on Rocco, and their weaponry is just not good enough. As for all the uh, guff you gave CJ Baxter, I thought he played okay <laughs> from a number standpoint. You said he stinks. I mean, he looked okay. Like if you just I watched, gave me the a, box I watched score, a full quarter good. of that game, and it was like two or three carries. I was like, "Oh, he's gone!" And then it was like he had both arms wrapped around the ball and his head down, as if he was running through a pile. And I was like, "If he picks his forehead up, he's got 80. He's just trying to get his pad level low. I guess I was like, "If he looks, he's gone." And it was just like tackle for six. I'm like, "That's a good carry. It should have been 60." That's fair. Yeah, That's fair. he wasn't maximizing. He was getting what was available. Yeah, I guess. I was just like, please pick your head up and look where you're going because you have so much space. And I, and I was, obviously, I had Iowa State, so it wasn't like I was sitting there rooting for it. Hey, the old David Montgomery argument, you know, he'll get you four when there's only one available. And when there's four available, he'll get you four. <laughs> the uh, He'll get you four. If you need six, he'll still get you four. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the games for this week, we start early on Friday, so hopefully you're getting to this on Friday. I didn't take one of the early games on Friday because... There's a few of them that are probably important. Oklahoma plays. Uh, I know Missouri's got Arkansas early. There's one other game in there that I think is important early in the day. Um, Texas has a game, I think, on Friday too, right? Texas Tech, yeah. Yeah. So passed on those. Normally we try to pass on on Friday games because uh, most of the time you don't have time to listen to this or get to it. But 
for this week, it's kind of hard because it's, I think, the only ranked team versus ranked team game I've got on the slate besides the uh, the big game up there in, in Ann Arbor. So it's number 16, Oregon State, plus 13.5 at Oregon. Uh, you said it earlier, Oregon State is a good team, maybe not a great team. Uh, where I end up in this game, and it's my basically whole thesis behind the article for this week, if you can call it a thesis, Uh it's rivalry week. The point of rivalry week is obviously to play a rival, so it happens every year, and these games are not always close. This one in particular between Oregon State-Oregon and then coming up later, Washington State-Washington are two schools left behind by the entire conference, including their in-state rival, who are both said, thanks, but no thanks. See you later. We're off to bigger and better things. Hope you die on this island alone. Um... I have to believe one of the two of them is going to win their game. Uh, I, I just, on the sole basis of we're going to just go for it, I don't think it's this one. I actually think it's maybe coming up later. Uh, but I'm plenty happy to take Oregon State fighting on the how dare you guys leave us behind. I'm not just going to roll over and die uh, against Oregon and take 13 and a half. Well, I am appreciative that you didn't manage to wiggle in Iowa, Nebraska, which threatens <laughs> to somehow set football back 20 years well it's uh, what a 26 and a half over under and it's probably too high that's <laughs> a sad thing and nebraska's favored which is even crazier so oregon state though this is a fun game i think this is a close game they played washington well last week oregon like you said has clearly been pumping nicks because if you look at his touchdown totals for the last month He's gotten four in the last few games, and I think we're going to see Knicks try to get a bunch of points on the board, and we're going to really like to see that uh, from from the uh, offense. And and similar to what Jaden Daniels is doing, and they're going to just try to blow teams out with him. And we talked about Bucky being banged up, so they're trying to lean more on Knicks. We still have not seen the rushing upside from Knicks, this is a game that you could see it because of the team that he's playing against. I think you're going to have to see them use everything they got. Troy Franklin, Tez Walker, they're all going to have to be involved heavily. I love that it's at Oregon. That gives Oregon the edge as far as winning the game. Oregon State's playing well. I hate that they're bringing Aiden Childs in and taking DJU out every once in a while. It absolutely loathe that. If you have two quarterbacks, you got none. You ride DJU, even for how flawed he is. Yeah, he's. I think he's the best guy there, and I think if you're going to win this game, he has to be that guy. Exactly. I, if you I, didn't, and, that's ahead. the thing. I, I love Damian Martinez, the running back. I don't love the Oregon State weapons on the outside. Jack Velling, very talented tight end, similar to Luke Musgrave, who they had last year. There's just – and the coaching is very talented at Oregon State. Dan Lanning, I feel like they're just – better all the way around so that 13 and a half is very yeah Oregon's just better at every single spot yeah so the question is can Oregon State even keep it to 13 and a half 13 and a half is a big number it's one that if forced to play I'll lean into the rivalry aspect and the bad blood and with the 13 and a half but this is going to be must watch television tomorrow night Oh, and here's here's you know like Oregon uh Oklahoma Oklahoma State was a game similar to this right uh uh a rivalry that uh, has an uncertain future. Two teams that play each other all the time. Um, this 
as we're recording this, Oregon State, Oregon, or Washington, Washington State have not said we're going to continue this rivalry through different conferences. They're wor- they, they are allegedly working on it, uh, but nothing official yet. So uh, this could be for perpetual bragging, right? So I'm sure a lot of these kids at least are, are going to look across from each other and say, like, we got to get this one. Um, so, yeah, I'm leaning into that. If you did also hear a hiccup in Chris going through his explanation for this and probably a little bit of mine towards the tail end of the first go round. That was a pick six for the Cowboys that happened. And there were a few sports books getting trolled earlier because I assume if you're listening to this, you're a gambler like us. Uh, Bland to return a pick six was on the board at like plus four grand. And he just ran it back. Uh, Fun times. That's a fun that's a fun bet. And we just we just got to watch a pretty fun pick six return there. I got a lot of Cowboys D. (laughs) We'll move on back to Saturday for the college football slate. It is. What's being billed as the biggest college football game of the season, number two, Ohio State, plus three and a half at number three, Michigan. Before I even go into what I think of this winner and who gets to spread, I am not in the least excited to put a single eye on this game. I believe both of these teams to be boring. And I feel like Michigan has shown recently that they are exceptionally boring. Um, And I don't think Ohio State is capable of single-handedly making this more fun. I think they're both good defenses with mid to mediocre offenses, and I expect something to look similar like the 2011 LSU-Alabama game, where just two great defenses are just hitting each other and nobody can do anything. So I agree with you on that, and I agreed with you on that all the way through until this morning, I think. So I was doing some research this morning, or last night, late last night or early this morning, and everything says this is a low scoring, you know, over under 45 and a half. It should probably even be feels like it should be lower. feels like an Iowa Nebraska game. Even they have the number one and number two pass defenses in the country. They've got top 10. Both of them have top 10 run defenses. They've combined to give up 21 touchdowns for the season between the two of them. Nine rushing, 12 uh, passing. That's it. Like, these are two of the best defenses in the country. I think you're going to see Michigan try to take away McCord or try to make McCord beat them, take away Travion, and then just bracket the heck out of Maserati Marv, which we're going to hear that a lot. Whoa! Yeah, there goes Maserati Marv. We're going to hear it all day long. We're going to hear it for one catch for seven yards. It feels that way. Yeah. I just... I looked back and I went, huh, I wonder when the last time we saw a Michigan-Ohio State game that was low scoring, because it felt like there's been a decent amount of scoring. I went back about six years, and every score was in the 60s as a combined team total. So I was I was somewhat shocked. Everything was like thirty mid-30s for both teams or 40s to 20s. I think there's sneaky upside in this game because they, they feel like – the defenses kind of get a little bit extra pumped because they play these awful offenses all year. And these might be the only two okay offenses in the entire Big Ten. So who's putting up numbers on these teams that they're playing against? Neither one of them plays anybody out of conference. And they both play these teams that have 26-point team totals when they play each other, like Iowa and Nebraska. So I, I just don't – if anybody's going to score on each other, it's these guys. Yeah, I mean, Michigan looked pedestrian to mediocre against Penn State. Uh, 
they were just better because Penn State has I, Penn State exists to give them quality wins. They looked somehow worse last week against Maryland. Uh, defense with turnovers and blocked punts and, and and such were able to basically win that game single handedly for Michigan. Um, if both of these teams play clean games, I think they're both fairly pedestrian, like I said, and I and I think Ohio State is better, so I'll just take the three and a half and assume it's a three-point difference. I think that's fair. I mean, that's where you got to lean because there's a, there's a good chance that Ohio State could win this game, and there's a good chance that they keep it within three, so... Well, and they're the team that's been tested more often, right? They've they've played the, the Notre Dame game. They've played uh, on the road in that one. I mean, look, did they look great? Should they have won that game? No, but at least they've done it. Um... Michigan obviously is at home, but Michigan's toughest game was that Penn State team that Drew Aller just threw the ball to the grass anytime he tried. Like, there was no one even in the vicinity. It felt like he should have been called for grounding anytime the ball came out of his hand because there was no one in the area. I would rather, I, I would feel like the, a better win for either of these teams against anybody they've played so far this year would be even playing Arizona. That would be yeah. a tougher test for them than anybody either of them's played so far this season. Probably. I mean, Notre Dame is probably the best of any of those teams that they've played. Um, I mean, you can make an argument for Penn State, but again, Penn State hasn't played anyone either. They played the same teams as these two, plus West Virginia, and early season West Virginia was a disaster. So um, not that they're much better now, but they were a disaster then. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll go Ohio State in the big game, and I'll, and I'll rock with the three and a half and just assume it's a close, gross, ugly game. And like you said, their head coach is at least there. So there's that. Yeah. Um, moving on, Kentucky plus seven and a half at number 10, Louisville. Um, I mentioned it earlier, right? Louisville didn't look the greatest last week at Miami. Um, a lot of the 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 conversation I saw from, from Florida State people on Twitter and other social media stuff was like, hey, if Tyler Van Dyke can move the ball on them, like we can do it too. Um, granted, I don't know what, what that was, and we'll probably get to Louisville Florida State next week. I'm I'm taking that Miami game and just going to chalk that up to outlier. Um, I mean, Tyler Van Dyke hasn't been a bad quarterback outside of the last like six games he played the first month of this season. Plus the rest of the time we've seen him, he's been good. So I I can kind of give them a bit of a pass. Uh, Maybe Miami did something slightly different, but they were still able to be strong enough. And you're seeing the second run game come along behind Jawar Jordan uh, and I don't think Devin Leary is going to be the guy to really make them pay. So I'm going to go with Louisville minus seven and a half at home in the rivalry game there. Yeah, Ray Davis is quality, but the problem is, is he's he, that rep run defense is still stout. We we know that Fletcher moved the ball well on him, but that was more the impressive part of it. And I think that's the exception, not the rule. I'd ride Louisville, and my guy Plummer was was doing some damage too. So. I think Thrash is getting healthier, and I really do look forward to that Louisville-Florida State game. And I think we've seen Miami's offensive line and 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 their defensive line get getting better each week. I mean, obviously against Florida State, the defensive line was pretty good. The offensive line was had had their worst game of the year, but uh, it's one of those like, okay, so if you're Miami's offensive line, you're growing and getting better. You play Florida State, who's probably the best defensive line and they push you and make you look as bad as you can, you grow from that. And when you come back against Louisville, you're like, oh, this is easier than what we just saw last week. Two, even if it's a slight degree, uh, you can at least be a little better, if that makes any sense. Right. It, it improved them by his learning experience. 
yeah, learning experience and the ability to come to a different game, be like, hey, all right, I can kind of chill now. This is this is not quite the same. Yeah, yeah. It's like uh it's like if you you know, you put 225 on the bench bar and then you drop down to 135. It just feels super light as going to 135. Yeah, and I, I, I think that's a I, – I, I'm not a workout guy, so that's why I couldn't figure out how to how to do the muscle stuff. Um, but, yeah, thank you for clarifying that because I'm sure many of you do do the workout stuff and I don't want to embarrass myself. So thank you so much for that. Next game on the list, Texas A&M plus 11.5 at number 14 LSU. This is the uh, final Heisman showcase for Jaden Daniels. Last week against a good Georgia State team, he attempted to set the LSU single-game touchdown record, uh, put up a huge total, kept playing late into the fourth quarter there, and you can argue padding stats, but I think only one of his touchdowns was really padding stats. Uh, LSU has scored touchdowns on 13 consecutive drives, if you exclude the one-play kneel-down drive to end the Florida game. Uh if you do include that, then that's 13 of 14 drives that they've scored touchdowns. Either way, that's ridiculous. Uh, Texas A&M playing, obviously, with a interim head coach, a third-string quarterback who has looked good in his two games against Mississippi State, and Abilene Christian, who I don't think either one of those. I mean, LSU's defense isn't exactly good, but I don't think it's as bad as what Abilene Christian and Mississippi State should be presenting from what mm. I've seen so far this year. Again, it's possible. I understand, but I feel like, you know, if those defenses, if LSU's defense is a two, I think those defenses are probably ones. Uh, at least at least a slight barrier, a slight one. And I'm just picking the game. I, I'm sitting, we can get the DFS stuff because I've got the same names you probably have sitting there. So I give, I give Mississippi State a 1.75 if LSU's a two. Okay, fair. Uh, but I just think LSU's just going to score and score and score. And Jaden Daniels looks to me to be the best player in the country. This is his last chance to show a Heisman uh candidacy and, and Heisman voters that he's worth it unfortunately he's head-to-head with the biggest game in the year but uh the kid's the best player in the sport yeah I, I it's unbelievable and it's not just that he was scoring touchdowns late in that game I think it was 49 to 14 and he hit neighbors for a touchdown so they had this like the ones of all ones in there that's not typical and it's happened multiple weeks in a row at this point so I'm really thinking that they are really pushing this at this point, and you got to buy the narrative at some at some point. And he could. Did you know that their LSU is fifth in the country in rushing? I did not know that. I, I did. I was looking up stats when I was doing filling out my my spreadsheets this week for matchup stats, and I fill them out on Sunday nights usually. And I saw them at five and I was like, that's absurd because they're averaging 6.4 a carry with 30 rushing touchdowns. And I was like, they don't even have a running back that I'd want to start. So it's yeah. all Daniels. Yeah, I just I, you said it and I was like, I wouldn't have believed you because I would believe that have been teams like Boise State or Oklahoma State or something in front of them. Um but I was like, I bet Jaden's pretty high on the rushing list for rushing yards yards per game. Would you like to guess where he's at? I would. He's got to be in around, what is he, 12? He's number 24 in the country, right behind Frank Gore Jr. And just ahead of the guy we were just bragging about, Jawar Jordan from Louisville. That's absurd. And Ray Davis is 29. Bucky Irving is 28. So, like, if you're keeping score at home, he is uh, – He's the Michael. One of the, he, he's, he's Michael one of the Penix best. combined with Bucky Irving. 
Right. He's one of the best. He's the best running back among the best running backs in the country in yardage on the ground. He's also got 10 touchdowns and then throwing the ball. He's 10 yards per game behind Michael Penix, still five yards per game ahead of Bo Nix. Like it's just not even close. And then you're like, well, doesn't he turn the ball? He's got 36 passing touchdowns and four picks to go with 10 rushing touchdowns. He's unbelievable. The numbers don't make sense. And like you mentioned, uh, neighbors is 156 yards or 136 yards away from the all-time receiving record at LSU. Uh, they're going to throw it a lot. They're going for records. They're going for awards. They want neighbors to win the Blitnikoff. They want Daniels to win the Heisman. 11 and a half feels like even if it's at 10 with like three minutes to go in the game, LSU's going to make it 17. They're going to take the field. Not like, well, let's see if we can strangle four minutes out of the game. They're going to be like, let's go make it 17 and see if we can maybe get a stop and get the ball back to go to 24. Uh, I will I take wish that. they were playing on Friday at this point now because there's a lot more value on the Friday slate and I could jam <laughs> neighbors and and Daniels in because I didn't know that neighbors stat for 156 yards. So Yeah, it's, it's something like to 130 to 150 but away from being the all-time receiving, receiving leader for LSU. Yeah, I'm going to have to find some ways to get him into lineups. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, next game on the list, number eight, Alabama, minus 14 and a half at Auburn. So Auburn last week lost to New Mexico State at home in a game they paid nearly $2 million to have. Tough one. I expected that to move this number. I don't think this number really flinched uh, because 14 and a half is where I would have thought it would have been last week. I was hoping that that moved this line closer, maybe like 17, 20 for Auburn, which I might have, I might have, uh, entertained 14 and a half i will not entertain alabama's gonna roll no there's just no passing offense to auburn nothing uh some of the some of the guys for auburn were actually popping they're popping in the projection system as far as points per dollar with uh like hooks rivaldo fairweather was was one of the top guys that that uh, jumped in the projection system for me which was odd but i i'm not trusting any of them they're a easy fade i'm gonna delete all of them from the (laughs) player pool not even think about it, and and just no thank you. Um, they can't throw the ball. They can't run the ball. Not in this matchup. So yeah, yeah. I, I think you're going to see Milrow just eat them alive, and j- he's going to do something similar to what our buddy we've talked about on this program multiple times. Diego Pavia did for New Mexico State. Yeah, and, and the other thing too, if this offense is limited for Auburn, which we know it is. We saw this Alabama defense absolutely swallow the limited rushing attack of Kentucky. Uh, that was on the road as well as this game is. Devin Leary looked like he was in hell. I mean, it was 21 nothing before you could blink. And from there, it was just like, okay, great. So now Dallas Turner and the rest of this defensive line is just going to pin their ears back and just come crush them over and over again. At that point, maybe does Auburn just go to Robbie Ashford and just run this ball a ton? Even then... I just don't see a path to 14 and a half. It's, it's Bama easy for me. Yeah. Yeah. Bama all day. Next one. And this one's got uh, big 12 stakes is how it makes the list. It's BYU plus 17 and a half at number 20, Oklahoma state. We mentioned Texas is playing Texas tech on Friday, which is today. If you're listening to this on Friday, because that's when you should get it. Uh, assuming Texas wins that game that sets Oklahoma state up with a win and in situation here. Um, plus or minus 17 and a half at home against one of these brand new big 12 schools that have been largely overmatched though. Oklahoma state did lose to um, UCF UCF. and and, and Houston Houston gave them a game last year, last week. Yeah. Minimal enough that it was, they were in play. 
Yeah, so I mean, I don't run away from 17 and a half going, oh man, that's for sure. Uh, but I do think Oklahoma State wins. And I, I'm back to what I saw. I thought would happen in the UCF game. Is Ali Gordon maybe a little banged up? I know he was dealing with injuries before. His numbers haven't been as gaudy as they were through that six-game stretch. Right. I don't know, but uh, it's made Bowman look look throwing the ball more, and he looks bad. Um, so 17 and a half does scare me, but I'm going to do it. And Brandon take Presley. Play. Presley's been eating at wide receiver lately with like seven to 13 catches in each game. So he's kind of your pressure point with him. Jaden Bray came back last week to give him some more wide receiver depth. That was kind of at the cost of Leon Johnson's abilities. And uh, we saw Rashad Owens is still playing well. They've kind of stuck with Gordon. I think Gordon's just got worn down a little bit. But they also had to play on the road in the bounce house in Orlando. They had to play on the road at Houston. So coming home against BYU, BYU we've kind of seen be outmatched. They, they put on a great performance last week uh, against Oklahoma, but they were at home in that game. And Oklahoma played a whole half without Gabriel, and Gabriel had 200-plus yards passing and two touchdowns at halftime. So I think you're going to see Oklahoma State just manhandle the the line of scrimmage against BYU as far as running the football and then they can use their pass offense off of that and I think Keaton Slovis could be back this week but that would be a bad decision I'd rather stick with Rhett's laugh if if I'm BYU I know he's not one of your favorite Slovis no Uh, former USC quarterbacks and and I do not get along aka Jackson Dart and Keaton Slovis I view them the same (laughs) The uh, I mentioned earlier I expected these in-state games to give us a an upset and I didn't think it was Oregon State though I thought they were good enough to keep it close. It's actually the one that has a bigger spread. It's Washington State plus sixteen and a half at Washington. Um, we've seen Washington play a lot of close games against teams that I believe many would view as inferior, like Stanford and, and the like. Um, Washington State has that same rivalry. That I mentioned with Oregon, Oregon State, the team left behind without a conference to, to dwindle in the, the was it we calling it the Tupac now, right? I, I guess. Yeah. Um, Cam Ward is also back running hot the last two weeks against bad defenses. Uh, Colorado and I forget UCLA was the other one, maybe I forget who the other one was, um, but he's been he's been hot the last two weeks. If he's hot again. They certainly can win a scoring game. I don't think either one of these defenses is going to be this, the hallmark story of the week and keep this one low scoring. So uh, I'd like Washington State, and I'll take 16 and a half. That's, that's more than two touchdowns. I will take it. And quite honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if they win the Apple Cup. I agree. I think Cam Ward's been playing great. Uh, he, he did well with uh, Cal and Colorado the last two weeks. Cal, with, that was uh, it. I knew it was a C school. I was like, come on, you yeah. got this. He had four touchdowns each of the last two games. Uh, they lost a shootout to Cal and just blew Colorado out, but that's somewhat expected with the fantasy Far for carnival. The at this rate, yeah. Fantasy carnival coming into town. I, I don't think you're going to see uh, Shadur play this week. Why would you subject him to Utah's defense? <laughs> but you know he's going to throw for 300 to 400 yards. He he could put up just a monster stat line. I think something similar to Oregon, the Oregon State game earlier this year or the Colorado State game where he had over 400 yards passing, three to four uh, total touchdowns. 
I think you could see something like that. They have very talented skill weapons on the outside, and they just don't bother to run the football. They have 17 rushing touchdowns, but they're only averaging three yards of carry on the season. Washington is weakest there. They're going to have to win a shootout in order to do it because Washington's going to be able to move the football. But Washington State's weaker on the ground, uh, having given up 25 touchdowns on the ground versus 12 through the air. So I think you could see that be just one of those situations where if Dylan Johnson sits and they have to rely on Nixon running the ball, that could get interesting. Things could start to get a little bit interesting. McMillan's still not all the way back. I don't even know that he'll be all the way back until the Pac-12 title game or a playoff game if they got there. So there is some concern, but their weapons, they, they have tons of weapons. So Washington likely, I would still ride on them to win but I think Washington State getting a monster game at a ward is not without possibility. Yeah, I, I think that's where I end up. As I, like I said, I think one of these two Pac-12, Pac-2, two-pack leftover teams is going to win one of these games. And that's simply because college football exists. And I have watched this sport for far too long for there not to be some upsets. And we are far too late in the season to still not have had as many upsets as we've had. We're due for one, and this feels like the perfect storybook time. If I'm picking one of the two, I believe it's because Cam Ward could be red hot in this one. And why can't I take the red hot quarterback to be the one more likely to do the upset if Oregon State's too busy doing two quarterback stuff and swapping and doing all this weird stuff? I think you could put a unit on each team's money line, considering 13 and a half and 16 and a half. Just put one unit on each, and that would be the play. Yeah, and you I mean if one of them hits, you you easily make it through. Right. Um we talked about Florida State a little bit earlier and I cut you off and, and refused to entertain your game. They are minus six and a half at Florida, seven PM primetime in the swamp. They fall from number four to number five this week. Committee says that has nothing to do with the Jordan Travis injury, uh, and had everything to do with Washington beating Oregon State like they did, though it was a close game. It, it is a good win, and they do have great wins. Uh, the conversation, of course, on the on the podium or at the, the desk on Tuesday was, well, if you're going to reward Washington over Florida State for the schedule, why do you not reward them over Michigan for the schedule? And the simple answer to that is because Michigan plays the big game this week. It's a business. So we come back here. Florida State is now number five. They're laying six and a half on the road. Backup quarterbacks for both teams. It's Tate Rodemaker, Florida Tate University, uh, heading over there to Florida. You tell me, man. I like Florida State, and I'm going with it on emotion, but I'll let you you tell me why that may or may not be right. So Florida State should win this game. I have no faith in the Florida backup quarterback to deliver the ball to the weapons that they have with Eugene Wilson. I believe Florida State's strength on defense is their rushing defense, for me, uh, the way that I look at them. So I would expect them to handle the line of scrimmage and try to run the football. We've seen them be able to run the football. Florida's run defense has struggled of late. So I think that there's a lot of room to maneuver there. And I don't really just, I just have no trust for the Florida team. I do strongly believe that the 100%, if Jordan Travis was healthy right now, they are the number four team in the country. 100% they're ranked number four. It has everything to do with Jordan Travis's injury. If they win this week, both Pac-12 teams win this week, I guarantee you 
that they pass Michigan or whoever, and the Pac-12 team jumped, uh, Oregon jumps them, and then now you've got three versus four as a playoff game in the Pac-12 title game, and that's a hundred percent going to happen yep. because they're going to find any way possible to keep Florida State out of this championship four. That, yeah, that I, just is the way I see it. I think they have no interest in it. Um, but the argument I had on Sunday was if you are Florida State and you beat Florida, which I think you should, um, I'm taking them minus six and a half. And again, I'm doing it because I think if you lose your starting quarterback, I believe you can sum it up in one game. You can sit around and everyone can say, we've got to step our game up. We've got to be better. We have to do this for our guy. And I believe in that. I, I think that is a thing that exists. And I think, you know, the questions I've had about the defense, the questions I've had about uh, the running game, I think that can all be, we've all just got to be better this week and get up and go do it one time. Um, I think that's something that certainly can exist. Uh, I would have probably picked that if Mertz was healthy, though I think this line is probably a whole lot different if Mertz is healthy. But to your point, with the backup quarterback for Florida, I really think this is a team that can still do it. I think you've got the weapons. It's just we'll take we'll take take the chances to make sure Keon can win one-on-ones. Will Johnny win one-on-ones? Will he take those throws? Uh, he does have a rapport with Jaheim Bell um, from high school, so there's that. But um, I, I do like Florida State in this one. You mentioned it before, and, and I want to follow up on it because you said you trust their rushing defense. We have talked on the podcast, the Seminole Rap podcast, also found right here on this channel, that I don't know how much I can trust anything from Florida State's defense off what I've seen. And and you brought it up because I'm not sure the last time they faced a starting quarterback. And I think it might be Cade Klubnik in September, like September like. 23rd, um, because they had Virginia Tech, uh, who has two bad quarterbacks that have both played and, and neither one of them is any good. Uh, I guess Syracuse, they, they faced... Um, yeah, but Schrader, he stinks. Schrader but stinks he's too terrible. They benched because him the, because the offensive coordinator is now gone. Um, uh, probably Castellanos, but and he torched them. Well, he was the week before. Uh, he was the week before Clubnick. Yeah, so it yeah, would so be Clubnick. It would be Clubnick in September um, because Wake Forest benched their starter. Pitt was on, I think, their third string quarterback by the time they played. Uh, I guess maybe North Alabama. I have no idea what their depth chart was like, so we'll see. The I think Duke the game fair... Riley Leonard played, but obviously he was busted. You know, I mean. And and again, that's not to sit here and say, if you're a Florida State fan listening to this, that I don't think Florida State's defense is good. I just can't look at it and go, I know they're good. So I, I would say the fair way for us to phrase this is they have not faced a starting five, uh, a power five starting caliber quarterback since Kate Klubnick. Yeah, I think so. Starting caliber, because I mean, you could say, well, Riley Leonard was a starter. Uh, Riley Leonard was very clearly at like maybe like 40 percent in that game. Yeah, um, that was so, not I Riley mean, Leonard. Yeah, I mean, and look, again, that that does not mean I don't think Florida State's defense is good. That What they have done against all of those quarterbacks is look elite. This week, they get another backup. And so, again, I expect them to, again, look elite. I'm interested what they look like against Louisville. That's a problem for next week. This week, I think well, you just come see. out and look Hang as on. good I as I want to make a prediction here. What is the line? on Florida State Louisville after this week let's say Florida State wins by 14 both win let's just assume both win 
Let's assume uh, both win, both cover. They both look like they have looked. Anything like that, whatever. They're not like I'm not saying we're not saying Rodemaker comes out those for three fifty and four. We're saying he's just average. They get out. They get a win. What is the line? Well, you got to remember, and 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 I know you know this, but if you're at home, you know you're setting lines to try to get fifty percent of the betting on each side, right? That that's where you're at. Louisville's got to be favored. I'm thinking it's Louisville minus two and a half, three and a half. I think Maybe they go four? three in the hook. I think they go three and a half. I think it's I, Louisville I, minus three and a half. I think it's Louisville around a field goal. Yeah, that's where I'm at. Because I think I think if any any standard better at home looks at Florida State, and I think, you know, to your point, we see it with the with the ranking. I think you're expecting, well, it's Florida State's backup quarterback. Yeah, they beat Florida's backup quarterback, but it looked kind of gross or you know, just something. Um I, I don't know how much faith people have in Louisville, but I at the same time don't know if anyone has any faith in a backup quarterback for Florida State? Yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's Louisville by a field goal. That's where I would lean. Yeah, uh, but we'll see. There's our prediction. We'll see how that turns out next week. Next on the list, Georgia minus twenty four and a half at Georgia Tech. That's going to be a Georgia home game. Dogs minus twenty four and a half. I'll take it and go to the bank. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. At Georgia, run, at Georgia Tech's one of the worst run defenses in the country. Man, you literally just cut me off getting there. Yeah, they can't stop the run. So, I mean, if Carson Beck already looks good as it is and they don't really even have to do it, then great. They're going to look even better. I would also appreciate if Ole Miss covered this minus 10.5 in the first half that I put down. Uh, Iowa State plus 10.5 at Kansas State rounds out our slate. This one is, quite frankly, only here because there is nothing on Saturday. Saturday's pretty dud. Uh, it's mostly on Friday and Saturday. I would have loved to have put the egg bowl on here, but again, it's on my TV right now. Kansas state has an outside shot at a, at a big te- big 12 title game. There's a few scenarios like if Texas loses and then like this needs to happen. That it. It, it require Oklahoma state losing to BYU, which both of us don't think will happen. Uh, it also requires Oklahoma losing again, not confident in that either. Um, either way, I like Kansas state. They're playing really well. They're at home. Why not? Eight o'clock, just cap off a Saturday with it. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't go Iowa State in that situation. Rocco's not playing great. Kansas State's playing good ball. You do you will end up questioning their motivation because they'll know whether they're playing for something or not. If they're playing for something, it let's just say Oklahoma loses and then Oklahoma State loses. <laughs> Lay that ten and a half real quick. <laughs> let's uh Let's move on to your DFS plays. Again, DFS, Daily Fantasy Sports. Uh, the Saturday main slate, in case you haven't played it all year or thinking about doing it, uh, you basically you draft your quarterback, two running backs, three wide receivers, a flex, and a super flex, which means you can include floor quarterbacks in the super flex spot. Typically, your advice, as always, is two quarterbacks. 100%. So there yeah, you go. You know, it's a lot harder for a quarterback to uh, get outscored by anybody else. Yeah, so it, it is basically your second quarterback position in case you're brand new to it. I figured I might as well explain, though. It's probably late in the year to do that. Um, and we talked at nauseum about this guy before, and I couldn't agree more with him being included on your list. Jaden Daniels, the LSU quarterback, your soon-to-be Heisman Trophy winner at plus at 11,000 as the budget. 11,000 is a big number. And I mean, it makes sense. <laughs> it makes It's probably not high enough. He should probably be 12. Uh, he's... He's even the scary part is he's the best value on the board when you take his projection and get his points per dollar. So he's he's got a 38.7 point projection, which is 10 points above Michael Penix. Like that's <laughs> crazy. And Michael Penix is six hundred dollars less. 
So you just got to play him. Just don't fade him. He scored six, over 65 fantasy points each of his last two games. He scored 65 fantasy points each of his last two games. Yeah, I think he scored 68 in one of them. That's insane. Like that, like that doesn't happen. You're usually happy with 25. He's gone 65. That's over 5x on this number. That's crazy. Just play him. You don't have to worry about it. Second best point per dollar play on the slate is his counterpart in the game, Jalen Henderson at 6,400. He comes in really nice, got a good rushing floor. He plays for AM. And Max Johnson's questionable, former LSU quarterback for yep. AM. If he does return, it's going to get ugly. I wouldn't play him at all. I would just then fade Henderson. No big deal. Just, just jump off. Yeah, I can't stand Max Johnson. If Max is going to play in this game, which I presume anyway, he won't. Um, he's too expensive. Yeah, well, I would go, I mean, if if he does play, the only thing I think I would put out there for the A&M side is maybe his brother, the tight end, Jack Johnson, former LSU commit. I would just go there on the storyline of Max refused to be at LSU. They pretty much brought him in just to make sure they got his brother, who was a stud tight end, and if I could see Max just forcing him a touchdown. I'm sure his number is bottom of the barrel, but I don't expect Max to play. I don't expect any of that to matter. Uh, I like Henderson, and, and I do want to quickly jump back to Jaden Daniels because you mentioned him here, and I pulled this number together. Uh, A&M has a good defense. I don't think anyone would, would argue that they they do. They struggle against the pass, which is uh, good luck against Jaden Daniels in that. But uh, Jaden Daniels has played – you know, he gets, gets dinged a lot for being a, a three-loss – Three-loss quarterback, right? Uh, his three losses, number five, Florida State, number eight, Alabama, number 12, Ole Miss. He has a win over number nine, Missouri. All four of those games away from Tiger Stadium, all on the road. You can argue the Florida State game was a home game for Florida State. I was there. That's what I would argue because it was probably like 80-20, if not 90-10, Florida State. In those four games against the best defenses he's played, Jaden Daniels is averaging 423 yards of total offense with 13 touchdowns so he's averaging over three touchdowns a game only two turnovers uh his defense also allowed 45 and a half points so i mean that pretty much to me speaks to what you're talking about right the defense is bad and even if he plays a good defense uh the numbers are dumb so it's it's hard even at the 11,000 salary to fade and that's why i also love the idea of going opposite with the texas a&m quarterback henderson who can run and we just watched Jalen Milrow a few weeks ago absolutely destroy this LSU team just running the ball. And I kind of feel like you need to play both of them naked. You know, like that's where I think it's – I don't think they're necessarily stacked guys because of their rushing capability. Yeah, the two the, – the one guy I liked for A&M looking through was Aeneas uh, Smith, who I've run a few times because he remains around 5K. Right. And I can just absolutely see him catching a crosser and taking off with it because that's what Ole Miss did to LSU was – crossers and off they go and that's that's where smith has done a lot of damage um and then the other thing the we talked daniels before with neighbors being you know like a buck 50 from a re- receiving record at lsu so yeah. i could see that as well but see he's 9600 so that's my concern uh, isn't he correct it, it becomes very hard salary yeah, wise. like I you're you're I going touch it. I, yeah, I don't you. think I, you I can go there Vegas. I think if you're going there, you're going there on FanDuel. I don't even know what their their prices aren't even out yet. I gotta think Daniels might even be pushing Manzel territory at this point of like thirteen thousand with neighbors at eleven. 
I mean, it's probably worth it at that point. You can, it's always a little bit more salary availability. I wish this was the Friday slate because there's a little bit more value on Friday than there is on Saturday. But I think we can manage to get Daniels in. And I think you're going to have to have Daniels in order to even do anything. And even then he might even be 60% owned and you just want to play against everybody and say, okay, I'm not letting Daniels beat me. Let's just play it from there. So let's move into number two quarterback. We got John Rice Plumley of UCF at 8,200. Plumley's going to face off with Houston. We've been picking on Houston a little bit. We picked on him with Frank Harris. Frank Harris waited until last week to show vintage Frank Harris when he went off for 100 yards and six touchdowns rushing, or three touchdowns rushing, like another 400 passing. It was absurd. Great game there out of him. This is the worst, one of the worst defenses pass-wise on the slate. They're giving up points in bunches right now. They're giving up to about 260 through the air and 20 touchdowns. Uh, and then they're they're giving up on the ground as well with uh, 24 touchdowns on the ground. The worst defense is always reserved for Colorado every week because they're the fantasy carnival. <laughs> but Plumlee's brought back – now that he's healthy – He's started to run again. He's utilizing his legs. He's got 45 or more rushing yards each of his last four games. He's, I believe he peaked at 80-something last week. I think we're going to see him move on the ground again. I love this game environment. I think Houston and UCF both could put up a lot of points. That's going to push Plumley, and I really want to start getting some, some of him in there. I think he, he could see a rushing ceiling game out of him. And if we decide that we're going to go with that uh, – a&M LSU game stack with with Henderson there instead of playing Plumley, get RJ Harvey at running back. He's 7200. I think that's another that's your pivot, right? You're either going to want one or the other. One of the two is going to be great. Harvey's had 100 yards in I believe 6 of his last 7. He scored a multitude of touchdowns lately. I'm betting on touchdown variants where Plumley just hasn't quite been getting them on the ground. I think we could see Plumley sticking a few in the end zone with his legs. Yeah, I don't doubt that at all. I'm with you. I looked through the list. I really liked Plumley. I really liked Harvey. Um, obviously, I think I'm going to probably have one of the two of them in every lineup I've got this weekend. Um, obviously, you can play them together. You can play them together. I yeah, don't. And love it, it wouldn't surprise me if you threw him a touchdown. I mean, it, it's it's mm. certainly possible, but it's more likely that one of them is just going to run it in. So his receiving prop was uh, over two and a half. It was two and a half catches over under, and I've seen some sharp guys wanting to hammer the under on that one. There you go. Then don't do that. Uh, moving on to running back. I told you beforehand, I started building my lineup earlier before we got started. And uh, Jalen Wright, Tennessee running back at 5,200 was one of the guys I had in there. Yeah, he's he's a nervous play because he's only going to get about 10 opportunities touching the football. We might see a little bit extra juice here. Getting a, He gets Vandy. Vandy's terrible. Vandy's by far the worst rush defense on this slate. Giving up over five a carry. 21 touchdowns on the ground on the season. They have a 41 and a half point team total at home. And this guy's been ripping off chunk runs every week. He's averaging over seven yards a carry, had a 75 yarder against Georgia. He's just not getting that hefty workload. I'd love to see him get 15 carries a week. Like if he was getting 15 carries, he's going to just put up a monster game. But they're kind of split in their backfield three ways where he gets 10 carries, then everybody else is getting six. It's kind of an odd situation. 
He's got six games this year with more than 100 yards receiving or 100 yards rushing, and I think he's going to get to seven this week. We just need him to hit that explosive touchdown run and get that 60. You know, that's a 10 point play if he hits a 40 yard touchdown run. So I think that's kind of what we're looking for out of him. You have another value guy here, sub five grand, LJ Johnson of SMU at 4,800. I do have one more I'll throw at you after this, but that's, yeah, he, that's your next value he, guy. He's got a weird matchup, right? Like we think of Navy. Navy's only given up three and a half a carry on the ground with less than 10 touchdowns on the season, but they got a 33 point team total. So they got to get some points from somewhere and we need value. We got to be able to find somewhere to, to save if we're going to be paying 11 K for a quarterback. You know, a couple weeks ago, we were paying six K each for quarterback. We were barely paying 11 K for both of them. So that's going to eat a roster spot and we're going to have to save a lot. Johnson had a monster game against Louisiana tech to start to open the season. He had about four carries a game after that for the next six or seven games did nothing. He was one of the guys struggling to go to class. He managed to make it back. And now I guess he's on Thanksgiving break. So he's having a good time, not needing to go to class the last two weeks. He's had over 20 carries and I think he's starting to take hold of this job. So at 4,800, we get value. We get opportunity with him getting 20-plus carries. We get a 20-point spread at home as a big favorite. It's kind of hard not to like what we're seeing out of it as far as being able to save some money. Now, I want to yeah. give – I want to give – one guy for Friday as a as a sneak peek in case you can for those guys that listen to the pod before 11 a.m. on a Friday main slate Dylan Carson of Air Force is thirty five hundred dollars and he's the starting guy because Emmanuel Michelle's hurt or out he's off the team off the depth chart some weird things going on there he's going to get some opportunity he's got 80 yards rushing in each of his last two games He's 3,500, so go ahead and just play that guy. The other running back name that I wanted to float your way and get your thoughts on, and I'm sure you'll tell me I'm dumb and I'll do it anyway, but Roy Dell Williams running back at Alabama in a game we figure to be a blowout. Uh, he's only gotten about seven to eight carries a game in the last few, but that's been an increase from before. They use him a bit in the passing game against Kentucky. His snap totals are going up a little. Uh, in a blowout at 4,100, I don't I don't hate it as, as a guy in there. He's got two touchdowns in the last three. They're using him around the goal line. That makes sense. I think that's a fair a fair play. I have to wonder how much they might lean on McClellan being the experienced guy in one of the latter latter games of the season in this kind of a matchup. I I think that's an interesting play. It's not one I'd considered. I think. I would more lean Aiden Robbins uh, facing off against an Oklahoma State defense. It gives up 4.72 a carry, and he's getting good volume, and he's also 4,100 for BYU. So I kind of like Robbins as a another value way down there. It's just a very thin – there's a very thin play getting to that 4,100. Now, it doesn't take a lot to pay it off either, though. I guess the key would be is we're looking at thin margins here at running back because we can't really spend for Ollie Gordon in the situation and make it work. 
So then you can also look at uh, Jaquindon Jackson. If we do get word that Barnes is out, Jackson facing off against the Fantasy Carnival of Colorado, <laughs> that could be fun. That could be real fun where they just run the heck out of the ball. I don't think you're going to need Vaki. He's been banged up. He's limited. I don't think you're going to see him on offense much. So now it becomes the Jackson and Glover show. If it's a fifth string guy, I would not be shocked whatsoever if it's Wildcat because Jackson is a former quarterback and we get Jaquin and Jackson lined up with Jalen Glover and they just run read RPO, like a read option all day long. We switch over to wide receiver now. You got Tet McMillan, a guy you wanted to bring up a couple weeks ago. Well, you did bring him up, but he was going to be one of your main guys and you switched over. Uh, he checks in at 7,000 at wide receiver. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not getting off of my Arizona guy. I, Fafita is my last quarterback. We mentioned all my quarterbacks except for Fafita. Old Fifta is going to be in the <laughs> old player pool this week. I had to talk about him. I, there was no way. I think I. I wanted to put another value guy here. I thought that's probably the right play. Brennan Presley's probably the best point per dollar play on the board at this point. Uh, from in that five to six k range. For Oklahoma State at 5,900, he's been getting a ton of targets. I got to talk up McMillan. I love this Arizona team. You know, it went very poorly when I said I love the Oklahoma team. But uh, Arizona, <laughs> I'm going to keep riding these boys. I, I've really enjoyed watching them this season. And I, I can't wait to watch them again, although I think they're on the Pac-12 network. So we're all going to miss out on the fantasy goodness. Uh, or no, they're playing Arizona State. I think the Colorado might be on there. But I was going to put Devon Vele here at 5,000 because he's been playing amazing lately. You've been playing him in your DFS lineups uh, a lot. But I'm worried about them running the football, like we mentioned, just running it. They don't need to throw the ball against Colorado. And also, I think Bryson Barnes might miss. Nate Johnson might have left the team. If Barnes was in and I felt good about it and they said, hey, Barnes is playing, he's warming up, we're all good, it's not going to be the walk-on backup, then, yeah, I want to play. I'll play some Devon Fele for sure. But I got to go Tet. Like, Tet's just a monster. And Jacob Cowing has been banged up. That's raised the target totals for Tet over the last few games. And Arizona scores two-thirds of its touchdowns through the air. The Sun Devil defense of Arizona State gives up two-thirds of their touchdowns through the air. So it just is such a nice spot, and Tet's hot right now. He's got a touchdown each of his last four, and he's got 100 yards receiving in each of his last two, which also coincides with Jacob Cowing being banged up. So I think we're going to see a monster out of Tet. He didn't get to play in this game last year either. Last guy you got here is from a game you mentioned earlier, your – you, you on paper think it's a low scoring game. It might be surprising to people, and and you kind of already laid out the argument for him. It's Cade Stover, the tight end from Iowa State at forty five hundred. Yeah, I I think I wanted to get a little weird here. You know, this is the the best cheap play I could find that I felt comfortable with. And Stover, like we said, Marv's going to get bracketed in my opinion. I think McCord's going to have to throw the football. We all want to play guys that we're going to see in games and. I don't know who's not watching this Ohio State Michigan game because it's going to be a blast. If not, you got to have it on. You got to have it on a second monitor at least. Like this is this is one of the top games of the year. This is much watched TV. If nothing else, you got to see the the handshake between the coaches after the game. You know, and we don't even get a Harbaugh, but you got to think Harbaugh's boys might want to sucker punch Brian Day. You know, this could <laughs> be fun. 
Brian Day and that jet black beard that looks painted on. Uh, hold you know, on th- now. Hold on. Who's to say that that's a very obviously dyed beard? Like it's, it's you know, very obvious. It looks who's painted. to say it is. I mean, it, it, it could be a very obviously dyed black beard, but maybe it's not a very obviously dyed black beard. It maybe might be not. the greatest genetics of a beard in, in history. The darkest black beard in the history of coaching football. Yeah, I need a close-up on that thing. I think you might be spray-painting it. <laughs> He's got the so, Carlos Boozer hair in a can. Yeah, it's got to be hair in a can. <laughs> I used to know a guy who had that. It was awful. It looks all it gets all clumpy and stuff. It looks terrible, especially when you sweat. But I think this game goes over. I think this game goes over. I really do. It's consistently been over. In, in for the last four to five years, I know the offenses for Ohio State have been better. I think McCord's playing better than we might give him credit for. Neither team's been tested by any offense whatsoever. I also set the line at nine and a half on Maserati Marv mentions. So I'd like to see the comments in the article <laughs> over, over under nine and a half. I thought about making it 13 and a half, but I thought nine too and a half. High. Was, yeah, was, I'd have gone under fair. that. I think we're at like 10. I think like two, two and a half, two per quarter, and then like maybe like four in the fourth. I thought nine and a half was a good line, but I think Stover's going to be your best weapon in this for Ohio State because Egbuka, Emeka Egbuka, their all world outside wide receiver, he, he, he's been banged up all season. I have not barely ever seen him on the field. I don't know if he's even caught a touchdown. So they're lacking weapons, oddly enough, behind Marv. And Stover's been sneaky good all year. He has a touchdown in each of his last two since he returned from injury when he missed a game and played limited in one game. And he has 70 yards or a touchdown in seven of eight this year. So at 4,500, I think he's got sneaky upside. I believe he's barely been under 10 in any game this year. So at 4,500, I'll take the 3X to get that little bit of salary relief. So top to bottom, my picks are starting on Friday, Oregon State plus 13.5, Ohio State plus 3.5, Louisville minus 7.5, LSU minus 11.5, Alabama minus 14.5, Oklahoma State minus 17.5, Washington State plus 16.5, Florida State minus 6.5, Georgia minus 24.5, and then Kansas State minus 10.5. And the DFS side, it's quarterback Jaden Daniels of LSU, 11 thousand also likes Jalen Henderson of Texas A&M at 6,400. Second guy he's actually pumping up though. John Reese Prom, Prom, Rice Promley, 8,200 from UCF and Fafita. Don't want us to forget Fafita from Arizona. Don't know his number right in front of me, but Fafita. 7,400. Uh, 7,400. RJ Harvey, also UCF guy. If you don't go Plumley there, maybe, you know, submit at the running back spot there. The running backs, he's favoring Jalen Wright from Tennessee, 5,200. L.J. Johnson, SMU at 4,800. Uh, and then a receiver, Tet McMillan, 7,000. Maybe some Devon Vele at uh, 5,000 from Utah if Utah has a quarterback. So keep an eye on the injury slash day of tweets, I guess. And then Kate Stover, 4,500 as your, your dollar saver there. Ohio State tight end. He plays, obviously, he's listed in the wide receiver group for DFS. So uh, I took your notes, put them together, and here is what I currently have. I got Henderson at quarterback. I have Daniels in my super flex. So that's game stack of there. I took both your running backs, Johnson and Wright. I took Ted. I went with Robbins in the flex at 4,100 to round out my running back yep. spots. That allowed me to get up to Ted. It gave me 11,500 for the last two spots. I took Baker 
from UCF, and I took my guy Aeneas Smith from AM to flatten out all my money. I can I like go that. I can go down to Stover, and that allows me to get up to Victor with yep. the Baker spot. I know. That's um, tough. And I, I sat there and I went, ooh, I like both of those. That sounds like you're putting two entries in there, bud. Uh, well, maybe, maybe someone's bankroll isn't quite high enough to put in two entries there, but... Uh, well, that's why we got to work on those 50-50s. Yeah, we got to look it out. That's why we're, we're in a 50-50 this week, which is why the bankroll isn't as high as it normally is. I we're starting to learn about those cash games. Yeah, we're learning about how to how to not waste all your money all at one time, in case you're new to the programs. Uh I'm I'm being educated on how to do this, but uh, you know I'm learning, so cut me some slack. Um, we're going to start teaching more of you guys in, during the summer of next year. We're going to start yeah, learning. We'll, we'll do a little preseason kind of get to know DFS kind of edition and, and kind of bring it in. God knows I'm going to need a break when the uh, small child that I'll be crying and whining all over my house. So I'm sure we'll have plenty of fun things to do just to get me away from it. For you're going to be asking me to record at 2 a.m. Like, hey, yeah. I got to hold on to the baby. Can I? record <laughs> only a few more months to go so yeah I, I i look forward to putting together those episodes and some uh don't forget this don't forget that kind of situations but i do think i do like this lineup it it, it presents uh the low scoring guys who have opportunity the low salaried running backs with opportunity in johnson and robbins it's not like i think they'll put up amazing scores but if they touch the ball 20 times that's more than i can ask for guys salaried in the four thousands it allows me to still get good receivers, and I really like having both quarterbacks in the AM LSU game. Wish maybe I had some more Washington Washington State uh, in this, but I think that's where I end up making the Victor lineup, and I don't I don't hate it. Right, yeah, and then you have an option too, based off of having so much salary with that eleven five. You can that's an easily lineup where you can jump up to a Plumley right there, and you get the eighteen hundred less. You play Stover, and then now you're playing a fifty two hundred dollar guy at that next wide receiver spot, right? Yeah. So now you start getting in that range. That's where if like a valet is in, you can get valet in, right? And that's where you start being able to make a little bit more, make a little bit more movement. Yeah, I think I think you can work with a lot with what you put together, what you're offering. I think it gives you a lot of flexibility where you can really build some good stuff. Yeah, and you guys know who the studs are, right? Like you don't have to play a tet in this situation, you know? But you can kind of play things around and move stuff around. We talked about Brennan Presley as a salary saver at 5,900. You know, it's not a save. It's more median. But those are the types of guys where you guys already know Malik Neighbors is good. You know Roma Dunze is good. You know Marvin Harrison's good. So we got to start finding those guys. And, and that's why I try to highlight the the kind of more sporadic plays. And they're more risky. But Tet, I'm just going to keep pumping because I love Ted McMillan. He's in that tier. He's as good as Marv and those guys from a fantasy standpoint. He just doesn't get that name recognition yet. So we're going to pump him up. Which keeps the salary a little lower. So uh, I told you at the beginning that Judkins is good, but so far this egg bowl is two eggs sitting next to each other. So uh, we're here in the second quarter of a very boring one. So I'm going to go ahead and watch the rest of that. Maybe grab me some Thanksgiving leftovers and, and hang out. And I'm sure, again, you guys are doing this probably on Friday. So enjoy your shopping. Don't forget there's a Black Friday NFL game. Or, you know, if you want, tune into the Arkansas-Missouri game like the rest of the sickos are doing and have a grand old time with your Friday. But uh, until champ conference championship week, we'll see you then.